Hello, and welcome to My Entrepreneurial Journey, an audio journal on my current startup experience. Every episode, I'll record about the recent events and insight I've come across this week. Let's get started. This week, I want to talk about some of the resources I've been using uh, throughout my journey so far. So the first book I want to talk about is Tipping Point. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell, not a new book, uh, but still a very interesting one. The reason why I was looking into it was because um, early on we had the hypothesis that this idea that we're working on, Gongsi, would be a platform, meaning that you need to attract both supply and demand to the platform. And I thought that I would need scale to make it work, right? So you need lots of people on both sides of the platform in order to make it work. So I was very interested in figuring out how do you make something blow up, right? How do you get an idea to work? How do you attract enough people um, to make this uh, scalable and profitable? So I think it was a very interesting book, the way he discusses the connectors, mavens, and salesmen. Um, How do you get your innovators? And then your early adopters, late adopters. So I think it's a very interesting book. Uh, I'm glad I read it. Not sure how much of it is immediately applicable to me. I think right now I'm still very much focused on how do I get the pilot off the ground. So still not too worried about making this take off. But some interesting insights there. I was happy I read that. Second one I read was Delivering Happiness by the CEO of Zappos. Very interesting book. I was, uh, the book talks a bit about his journey and uh, how he was as a kid and his first entrepreneurial experience. And all of that is interesting. Uh, He discusses, for example, in his first entrepreneurial experience, one of the biggest mistakes he made was about not paying attention to the company culture. And all of a sudden, he wasn't happy about his job and it was his own company, right? He created the company and he didn't feel like going to work in the morning. So, he said a big part, a big reason for it is they started hiring too much too fast and they lost control of who they were hiring. And they started having people join that didn't have the fit with the company's culture. So in the beginning, it was a group of friends. It was a very nice environment. When they hit something like 100, 150 employees, all of a sudden it was a very different environment and he wasn't happy about it anymore. Still sold the company for a bunch of money to Microsoft, so that's fine. Um, but... It's not what I want to happen to my company. So I think culture is a very important one. But more interesting than that for me is the Zappos experience and how they think about customer service, how they think about wowing. (laughs) They they made it into a verb, wowing um, your customers, your suppliers, your employees, right? How do you get everyone that's involved with this business to be happy and impressed about it? How do you foster the right company culture? How do you shift from having your people as your main asset to having the pipeline of people as your main asset, right? And what he explains, which is very interesting, is if you have, let's let's make an example here, 10 people and those 10 people are your most important asset, when they leave, you have a big problem in your hands. Uh, So how do you actually create a pipeline where you have a constant inflow of people, that's one, but also two, the people that are inside the company are 
consistently getting promoted or they, they feel control over their own career so that it also motivates them to stay with the company. So I think it's a very interesting book. Some very concrete insights that are applicable to my business. And I already started thinking about how we're going to do this. He gives the example of when they started, um, when they got their, their distribution center, they partnered with a company, they hired a company, uh, whatever it was called, e-logistics or something, um, to, to get the delivery, the, the fulfillment to happen. So they would do the inventory and they would do the delivery. And basically what happened is that they were terrible. Um, I'm not sure if they were terrible, but it's just a very complex operation. You have a lot of SKUs because it's a lot of different brands. Each brand has their own model. Each model has lots of different sizes. So when you're combining all of that, it becomes very difficult to, to do that right. And what he realized was, uh, Tony Shea, I think is his name, if I'm not wrong. What he realized is that if you outsource that, you are setting yourself up for failure because one of the most important things for them uh, on how to impress the customer is wowing the customer with the product you're delivering and if your delivery is outsourced it means you don't have enough control about over how that happens so i've been thinking about how does this apply to us ideally what this means is we're going to do everything ourselves but my company has a strict policy about safety and having the delivery part specifically in Southeast Asia is probably not a very safe thing to do. If you think about the traffic accidents that you can have, that's not a very um, safe operation to run. And so likely what we're going to try to do is run our own warehouse and we take care of organizing the inventory and whatnot. But then we partner with a last mile delivery firm. Hopefully it's a good one. Hopefully it's not going to be an issue for us. And if it is, we're going to have to think of something else. So I'm not sure, but uh, it's something interesting to think about. I wasn't even considering that. I was just assuming I could outsource everything. And I think the, the point he makes in the book is very relevant. Now, those are two books I read recently that I thought were interesting to share a bit about. But there's also something else I recently wrapped up um, that I think was very useful, which is Startup School. Startup School is the Y Combinator online course. I think it used to be a in-person course or something like that. Maybe it still is, but they also created this online version of it, which has a series of videos and asks you to have weekly updates about how your company is doing and also enables you to have weekly calls with other founders to discuss what you're going through this week. And I think it's a very interesting tool. A lot of the videos are, I'd say, very motivational because you're, you're hearing from successful people about some of the problems they've had in the beginning and how they went about it. And I think that energizes me a lot but also some very concrete um, recommendations for founders. The one that stuck with me the most, especially for this pilot stage that I'm about to embark in, is the do things that don't scale that Paul Graham says. So when you're starting a company, 
it's easy for you to have these big aspirations and think that whatever you're building right now needs to be scalable to when you have a thousand, a hundred thousand customers or whatever it is. The problem is if you do that, you're, you don't even know properly what it is that you're building. So assuming that you already know how it will scale is kind of a big mistake. So you should do things that don't scale. Build something that you know is only possible to do while you only have 10 customers. And you know this won't scale to 100 or 1,000, but still do it because that's going to give you the chance to have a personalized experience with those 10 customers, figure out exactly what it is that they need and what they don't need. And you only need to change the process to make it scalable later on. So I think this is something very interesting, especially early on what we're doing with the deliveries. Uh, I was just talking about the inventory and the logistical challenges of it. I think it's going to be very challenging. While you have 10 customers, I could do it myself, honestly. You don't even need a partner for that. But that doesn't scale. So I was a bit worried about that. But now that I know that this is how you're supposed to go about it, I might do it myself while we have 10 customers. And, you know, if it works and it grows, then we shift to some other model and figure out how we're going to make this bigger. All right, so that's it for today. Keeping it shorter, last episode was about 20 minutes. I think this one is going to be about 10 minutes. I think the shorter it is, the better it is, to be honest. If I just ramble for too long, um, I'm not going to have the patience to go listen to this in the future. So I think 10 minutes is enough. The next episode, uh, I might discuss a bit about my customer discovery process so far. I might go into entrepreneurship in times of Corona. So how is this working while I'm remotely, especially given that I'm based in one country and launching a product in another. So let's see next week. I'll see how it goes when I start recording. That's it for now. Take care. Catch you next time.